0: welcome guys today is the first episode of the birds banter podcast i'm here with matt matt you want to introduce yourself hi
1: uh, my name is matt loopy
0: yep and we're also here with logan
2: hey how's it going this is logan banker
0: yeah and we're all huge eagles fans and we're going to be running this birds banter podcast we are part of phl eagles nation you can find us at phl Eagles phlsportsnation.com, and some days we will also be joined by Sean, but Sean cannot be here today, so today is going to be the first episode of the podcast, and we're going to be talking about the Eagles' loss to the Tennessee Titans this Sunday, and we're going to be talking about which players we thought performed well, which players we thought did not perform well, and we're going to look at the upcoming matchup against the Vikings, so if one of you wants to give a short recap of the Titans game, you can go ahead.
1: All right, Um, so obviously a disappointing loss um, came down to overtime against the Titans, a a three-point game, 26-23. I think there were definitely some good, but obviously some bad in this game. Um, The offense did see some um, good plays with Carson Wentz and Alshon Jeffrey. Zach Ertz played very well. Um, however, defense couldn't really hold up. The secondary um, got torn up all day. Corey Davis went for over 150 yards, a touchdown. Um, tackling was an issue. Getting pressure on Mariota was an issue. And that led to the loss. And um, the Eagles are now 2-2. Two two.
0: Yeah, I think it, it was really out of character. Doug wasn't aggressive whatsoever. And the defensive line generating no pressure uh when especially when it's um Taylor Lewan's first game back, I really don't understand. That's very out of character. The tackling has been sort of an issue for a while now. That's not really surprising to me, but I really don't understand how you can't generate a little pressure on a fourth and fifteen. But obviously you're gonna have games like that. And basically, the Eagles could have easily won that game, but we can see uh-huh. that they easily could have lost it because they did. There was just a couple plays by each team that could have gone the other way, like when Jordan Hicks was claiming that he got, um, what do you call it, was claiming that he got a block in the back. I thought that was a block in the back. Obviously, as an Eagles fan, I'm probably going to think that. But yeah. there's places like that that can go either way. I mean, you guys agree?
1: Yeah, and the troubling thing is we've seen that all season with all four games so far, Um They're a few plays away from being 4-0 and a few plays away from being 0-4. They really need to tighten this up, and um, defense especially, because the lack of pressure on these quarterbacks, they're not getting to them, they're not getting the sacks, it makes the quarterback have more time, and the weakness in our secondary is really shown by that, because when the quarterback has over five sacks to throw the ball, you see double moves, Jalen Mills is getting burned on deep routes, and Tackling isn't there on screen plays.
2: Yeah, the
0: little
2: is kind of hurting yeah. us too. So, through the first four games, we've had 30, 35 penalties, which is the second most in the NFL, which obviously got the killer because there's been plenty of situations where we could have had a big play and it's called back or a passing interference that sets up a score. And, um, like this Sunday, for example, we had eight penalties for seven and seven yards. So. Uh. And, um, like Cameron Johnson, you. I feel like he's had a good year, punting-wise at least, but um, he's had five touchbacks and no other punter in the league has more than three, so that's definitely not ideal because if you can pin someone instead of a 10, that really helps book your defense and then put the field for the offense in the scoring position.
1: Yeah, I think yeah. that's an issue of just his age because um, he has a big leg. Everybody knows that, but he doesn't have like the um experience to get that ball-pinned, like uh, veteran punters. So I think just with time, that'll get better. But it is frustrating right now getting all those touchbacks.
0: And um, going back to the you could easily be 0 4 thing, I started to think about that. When Jim Schwartz said that, the Eagles very well, like as, as easily as they could be 4-0 right now, I really thought they could be 0-4. We had two goal-line stands, obviously, against the Falcons and the Colts. And if, yeah. if the, I honestly think if those games went the same exact way, but those goal-line stands were on the road, they probably was scored on at least one of them, and we could be sitting here at one and three, and like, are this is this a fluke? I still I posted an article today on, PHL Eagles Nation that I still think the Eagles are one hundred percent the team to beat in the whole league. That could be my bias showing, but I mean, there's not been they haven't been blown out is basically my point, and they haven't shown me that they're not the best team. Like, it's kind of hard to understand where I'm coming from because most Eagles fans aren't going to understand how can you think the 2-2 two two team that could be very well-owned four is the best team in the league. But they can easily be 4-0 right now. And I just think if your team, which is pretty much the same as last year, wins the Super Bowl, you've got to show a little faith in them despite a rocky start. And I, I'm going to keep grinding with them. I I still think even if they lose to Minnesota this week, they're not necessarily a team to beat at that point, but they're still very in the mix of the NFC East. The NFC East is, quite honestly, possibly the worst division in football if you take out the Eagles. You really don't know what the Cowboys are going to be. The Giants, in my opinion, are just terrible. Redskins seem to get off to a good start and then just fall down to eight and eight, nine and seven. So the division's wide open and I'm not really concerned at all. But I think this is a very important game. Next week, honestly, it might be, I hate saying must win, but it's kind of a must win. Like, you guys feel me?
1: Yeah. These next six games are going to be real tough. Uh, We got Vikings, Saints, Jaguars all in the stretch and we saw a similar start last season um, losing to the Chiefs having a close game against the Giants then the Eagles finally started getting rolling so if they can figure out their problems I think they're going to be fine but seeing how these other teams are getting off to a hot start um, it really puts the pressure on them to try to get their offense and defense improving
2: I think- I think um, facing the Vikings next week will give a good spark for them though, just because of all the emotions surrounding that game, because of obviously what happened last year in the NFC uh-huh. championship and then Carson finally getting his chance to be able to do a full sit against them and so then he can show what he has and um with the fans they'll obviously be riled up and everything. So I think it'll be a good opportunity next week for them.
0: Yeah, I actually agree with that. The part about Wentz, how he he I he's been very open about how he's jealous Obviously, the Foles winning the Super Bowl MVP, and I'm sure he's been thinking about this Vikings matchup because he saw if Foles can do it, I can do it, and I'm sure he was quite jealous of the fact that he was extremely happy in that moment. And I think he's going to show off on Sunday. I think, as in my article, I said the Eagles have an MVP quarterback, and if it were a thing, an MVP head coach. And that's going to keep them in every single game, as long as they keep playing that way for the next 10 to 15 years. And that's why I'm not losing faith, and especially this week. I think Doug's going to be way more aggressive this weekend against the Vikings. He does not, he wants everyone to forget about that conservative play calling. And he wants to be right back where they were when they beat them 38-7 last year.
1: Yeah, and um, we're facing Kirk Cousins. We've seen him for years. Doug Pearson has seen him. Defense is familiar. So I feel like it's going to be um, a lot more familiar of a offense to face after seeing um, them last year in the playoffs, but also Kirk Cousins, who they faced two times a year um, with the Redskins. So it's going to be a little bit better to plan for it. The only problem is um, Diggs and Thielen, two of the best receivers in the game, how are they going to contain them?
0: I know I'm. I'm really not looking forward to watching Mills and um, Avante Maddox try to stop those double moves. I mean, I honestly would run a double move every other play if I was if I was with dealing. Like, uh-huh. if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Especially against, especially with those two great receivers. Yep. So I think this is a good time to like transition to another topic we want to talk about. We're, it's still about this game, but I think we're each going to give a player we thought. Their stock went up this game, and we're just going to give a player their stock went down. So, you guys can start, and I'll follow.
1: Okay, Logan, you want to go? Uh, yeah, I'll start. Um,
2: this is kind of an obvious one, but one person whose stock went up is on Jeffrey. Um, I know, like, when he was coming back with, uh, Doug Peterson, he was saying how he always opens up the field. And a lot of people at, at times will think that Jeffrey is kind of like a decoy kind of guy. But, I mean, last game that we saw, he had a great game. First Eagles receiver of the season with over 100 yards, and um, he was really able to alleviate the pressure when he was finally involved in the offense because in the first quarter they didn't score at all, and then after that they finally started getting things going a little bit. Um, stock down. Uh, I would probably say Brandon Graham stock a down because he, he doesn't have a single sack this year, and I just feel like he's not really performing as well as we'd like, obviously coming off the ankle injury, having a surgery over the offseason. But uh, – uh, I wish I could see some more out of him because that would help with our pass rush.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, before I get into mind, yeah, Alshon Jeffrey had a great game, great routes, um, went through some great passes to him. Um, it definitely gave a spark to the offense. And Brandon Graham, without that sack, it looked like he did have one, but it got credited to Nava. So um, he had, I think, nine and a half last season. So it's kind of tough to um, – get back up to that number after we played four games. Um, so my stock up is going to uh, be a little bit less obvious. I'm going to say Wendell Smallwood because at the beginning of the season, he was kind of counted out. Everybody was really high on Josh Adams, but seemed like the only people that liked Smallwood were the Eagles. And um, he really took advantage of these injuries in the past games with, with Clint out. He got a lot of looks and he was finishing runs very well. Um, I like the way he played. He had a nice reception. Um, and also, the only problem that he did have that game was his pass blocking. And that's kind of um, a recurrent theme against all these running backs because they're not getting the blocks, or they're not getting quality blocks in on these defenders. The only one that really can is Clement, but he was out. So Smallwood definitely brought some running game, but not the blocking. Um, stock down I'm going to say Ronald Darby because although he um, can cover well and he's definitely the top corner on this team, or not, I wouldn't say top corner because Sidney Jones is playing very well, but his tackling has been very poor. And if they're throwing these short passes to speedy receivers, he can keep up. But if he goes to dive and tackle them, he's missing nine times out of ten and they're slipping away for extra yards and that can't happen.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. So I'll give mine now. My stock up is gonna go to my fantasy team leader right now, which is Zach Ertz. Ertz had ten receptions for 112 yards. He actually had 14 targets. Pretty good catch ratio. Uh, pretty good catch ratio. 10 for 14. Obviously, even with Alshon back, Ertz still got five more targets than Alshon. I still think Ertz is Alshon um, is once his security blanket if he. It's the third down. He's probably on. He, I think his reads would go Ertz, Alshon, Aguilar, and Aguilar. I'll talk about in a minute. You can probably guess why. But Ertz, yeah, overall solid target. If he had a touchdown in this game, possibly in overtime, possibly at the end of the half, probably would win the game. But still had a great game overall. Averaged eleven yards to catch, ten receptions. Just a phenomenal game for him. And I said I'd mention Aguilar, and Aguilar, quite honestly was terrible. He had five receptions for just 22 yards on 12 targets. He had some pretty painful drops. You can um, look at Baldinger on Twitter. He analyzes clips. He showed a couple bad Aguilar drops. And I said on Twitter that Aguilar, people need to stop saying Aguilar's back to 2016 Aguilar. He's not. But that game certainly looked like 2016, Nelson Aguilar. And I'm not going to say if he played better, we would have won because Jordan Matthews stepped up while he was, while Aguilar was not performing well, so, but yeah, I'm not going to completely blame the loss on him, but I think we would have had a better shot, the offense would have been flowing better if Aguilar got involved early, and he's got he's to gotta do better than five receptions on two the start. Just, that's, yeah. not, that's not, that's not who
1: Yeah, I agree, and a few of those drops that he had, yes, he should have caught them, but some were a little bit thrown behind him, and it did look like, um, his first two seasons when he was getting a bad ball that he should still catch, but when a defender's on him, he's dropping that ball almost every single time, and that's kind of troubling to see. Like we want to see Agro that we saw last year. Um, I'm not sure why this is happening now with Matthews on the team. Matthews played um, very well. I mean, he only caught what one or two passes, but that one was 50 yard touchdown. So, um if they can keep that, Alshon playing well, and Aguilar can limit those drops, then their wide receivers are going to be in a great spot as opposed to the way we felt a week or two ago.
0: Yeah, so those are all great points made by everyone, but I just want to kind of intervene. I was checking Twitter to check a stat, and I just saw that Bleeding Green Nation posted an article saying the Eagles are not doomed after going 2-2. Two and two. And basically every season after after the Eagles went two and two, they, or after they went two or two, they did pretty well. So I'll just read them out. In two thousand eight, two and two, they were nine and six. They lost in the NFC Championship game. In two thousand and ten, they were two and two, ten and six. They were two and two. Then they were ten and six, and they lost in the wild card. In in twenty eighteen, obviously, we don't know what's going to happen. So history has shown that. The Eagles can do it. And also in 2013, they were 1 and 3, even worse, they made it to the wild card. So history has shown starting 2 and 2 is not the worst thing. It's just. It's just. um, It's not the worst thing in the world. They can easily bounce back from this. 2 and 2, like I almost titled my article this morning 2 and 2 is not 2 and 10. 2 and 2 is not 0 oh and 4. 2 and 2 is not 1 and 3. This is very easy to come back from the Eagles are 500 right now one if they win next week no one is going to forget no one is going to remember this two and two to start they make the playoffs no one is going to remember so they are not doomed people saying season over just stop calling yourself a fan that's just ridiculous if you really think the season's over after the Super Bowl champions go two and two but obviously there's some glaring concerns but we should be fine
1: yeah I agree with that I think the um tough part to get our heads around is when we saw the schedule come out before the season. There were some tough matchups with how these teams played last year Vikings, Saints, Rams, Jaguars, and people are putting those down as losses um, right away, putting their final record as 12 and 4, is what I was seeing the most. So if you're going into play those um, big teams right there, you kind of need um, some wins early in the season, and I think a lot of people looked at the Buccaneers and the Titans as must-win games um, once we get later in the season and play bigger teams. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing that we lost. I mean, obviously, a the, the loss is not good, but um, it's kind of concerning with the strength of the NFC in the past couple of years. They're not going to uh, get home field advantage with um, uh, just winning the division. They need to get Obviously, first or second seed, and they need to get 12-4, 13-3 to get home field advantage. They can't slip away with just barely winning the division and then playing at home. That's just not going to happen the way the NFC is.
0: Yes, I would agree with that. So, obviously, we've mentioned the Vikings. Eagles are playing the Vikings this week, Sunday, 425. I think it's America's Game of the Week. Is that right? Yeah, yeah it should be. So, I think we should do the same thing couple and like, go around and say a couple of keys to the game, how, why we think that, I'm assuming you guys think are the Eagles are going to win, so why we think the Eagles are going to win, and I think that should wrap it up.
2: Okay. All right, uh, I can go first if you guys want. Okay. Sure. Uh, so I think um, one key to the game definitely is um the offensive line. I think the offensive line will definitely improve um, for next week at least. Um, it's it's really interesting as to why they're struggling right now with Jason Peters coming back. But I think they they're they're just too talented to keep this poor level of play up, so I think they'll definitely improve next week. And um yeah, so I think the offensive line is definitely gonna be key and, um protecting Carson. He's been hit nineteen times in the last two games, so that's really important to keep him healthy.
1: Yeah, I agree with that because um last week it seemed like the Lions getting pushed and pushed back and Sometimes Carson couldn't even run away, as he normally does. Um, Lane Johnson was getting beat a lot, which is very um, uncommon for him. So, obviously, the offensive line really needs to improve to help out the offense there. Um, My key to the game will be building off the offensive line, improving the run game. Um, Ajayi should be ready to play. Um, I know he was down one play, but he should be fine. He's going to play through that back injury. Scrolls might be back. Clement should be back. Um, they're going to have small wood. They need to utilize all these running backs and play to their strengths and run more running plays because by passing every single play, the defense is going to get used to it. Wide receivers aren't as strong as some of these cornerback tandems that we're going to see. And they need to um, add a new dimension to their offense because once they start. Um, putting his running plays in, then they can really open up the offense and throw a deep ball or um, something over the middle and get the offense really rolling. I think that's such the run.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think getting scrolls back is extremely important. And also I wanted to mention that I don't want building on uh, the Jason, the Lane Johnson thing, Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson just look like regular offensive linemen out there. They did not look mm-hmm. like the Pro Bowl players that we're used to seeing. And honestly, if they played like that in the playoffs, we probably would not be Super Bowl champions right now. And we need them to step up. And just another key of the game, in my opinion, is Mills, Darby, and Sidney Jones need to step up. I'm not saying they need to have picks. I'm not saying they need to hold the receivers to under fifty yards. I'm just saying no deep touchdowns. Mills cannot get beat on double moves. Avante Maddox Corey Graham cannot have a mental breakdown like he did on the fourth and nineteen. I'm um, by no means am I expecting him to be Legion of Boon type good because that's not what this secondary is, and I think it needs to be addressed this offseason and during the draft. But if they can just hold their own, let the defensive line work, get a couple coverage stacks, just no deep balls, no deep passes, I think we would have a very good shot this game because we've seen that the Vikings' defense, especially now that, we're, that we're they're officially without Erickson Griffin for an extended period of time, has not been showing well. The Rams have a high-powered offense. They sort of expose the Rams. I mean the Vikings. So we've seen the Vikings' defense is vulnerable to certain play styles, and I think Doug is taking note of that. And as long as the secondary just holds their own, we should be able to win the game.
2: Yeah, one thing to look out for in the secondary, I know a lot of fans were wondering if the Eagles pursue Earl Thomas or someone like him. Uh, so yesterday they worked out Robert Golden, who's a safety. He was with the Steelers from uh, 2012 to 2016, but in only uh, 92 of the games he played, only 12 of them he started in, and then he was cut by the Chiefs early, earlier this year. So, I mean, he's not like – I huge difference maker for the secondary, but he's like one of those guys, kind of like a De'Andre Carter who had that great punt return, or uh, Corey Clement, like one of those like underdog kind of guys that can make a difference in the secondary, and not do what Rodney McLeod did before he went down with the injury, but he can at least help make, make sure that, that Corey Graham is playing the 70-plus snaps he played last game, or forcing a corner to become a safety unnaturally, so that's definitely something to uh, keep an eye on.
1: Yeah, and they also have Trey Sullivan on the practice squad that they like. Um, He's always an option. Jim Schwartz did say today that they're not really looking to um, make a move. I'm not sure if he's just saying that, but he seems pretty happy with his guys and the way that they're playing, which is very frustrating because um, we want to see them play better. But I think he also needs to change his style of coaching because we've seen before that he's very stubborn, and if something isn't working – he doesn't really change. Um, his, he doesn't blitz a lot. And when he did, um, secondary gets burnt or something opens up in the middle of the field. So he's not going to blitz. Um, he likes to limit Darby and Mills to one side of the field. Even if the matchup is bad, he doesn't let them switch. I think that would be a great decision. Rasul Douglas didn't get a single defensive snap last week. I think he should really get involved because he's a great playmaker, and um, it'll be great to switch out Mills or Darby. One or two plays, just get some, somebody new. And Vontae Maddox needs to um, get some looks when Sidney Jones needs to rest. I mean, they need to start switching things up and getting this defense rolling because it's not working right now. They need to
0: change something. I'm honestly curious. Obviously, J- uh, Jim Schwartz has been through a lot with Mills, and so has Doug, obviously. And he's had some ups and downs for a while. But these past couple weeks have been kind of concerning. I'm a huge Mills fan, honestly. I've liked him since we drafted him out of LSU. But even though, I'm starting to get concerned here. But I do think that fans are a little too harsh on him sometimes because that loss was most certainly not on him. But you got to wonder how often – I mean, how much longer – Jim Schwartz can have him as the outside cornerback. I mean, Rasul Douglas, like you said, needs to be getting some snaps. People want Sidney Jones to move to the outside. So I really am curious what's going through Jim and Doug's mind, as in how long can they keep Schwartz there. And I tweeted the other day, um, I'm pretty sure that, the timeline on Twitter is more confident as Jalen Mills as a safety than Jim Schwartz and Doug Peterson are. And I think that was pretty much proved by them saying that Avante Maddox is going to be their safety going forward. And that that was his first time ever playing safety. So that shows you that they have not even considered Mills at safety. So I think, Sticking with Mills for at least a couple more weeks. I think he has another terrible week this week, they might have to consider it. But it looks like it's going to be Mills, so we got to put our faith in him. He's just got to not get beat, and I think if he does that, he'll gain the respect of fans quickly.
1: Yeah, and the good part about Mills is his confidence is through the roof. I mean, sometimes it kind of hurts him because yeah. he gets burnt, and then the next play, a receiver drops the ball, and he does the finger wag. That's not very necessary. I mean – Everybody watching the game knows that he wasn't playing well, and he shouldn't be doing that, but after it 's good to see that after he gets burnt he 's in the next play his mind um, he's very short minded he wants to play that next snap um, The thing is like when they dropped him, they really like that style of play from him, and the problem is fans are expecting him to be this um, number one cornerback because he's been with the team a lot and he's shown flashes of excellence. But you got to keep in mind, he was drafted in the seventh round.
0: Yeah, um, I really agree.
1: Yeah, like, they got Ronald Darby and Sidney Jones around him. There's better options. I would love to see Mills here long-term, but I don't think he should be the first option at that outside corner. If they can keep Darby back, if they can retain him after this offseason, if they can move Sidney Jones outside... I just don't think Mills should be in there 100% snaps.
0: I think it's going to be hard for them to move on from Mills at least till his contract expires, and even then I don't know how they're going to do it. He's kind of been, in the off season. he's usually a fan favorite because he's always uh, interactive with the team. He has the green hair, obviously. He shows a lot of passion for the game. But then on the field, which is really what matters, the fans start to hate him. But mm-hmm. I think the The run with the Super Bowl, the green hair, everything—how he embraced the role—it's gonna be hard for them to let him go. I think, especially if Jim Schwartz is here for the next few years, I don't think they have really had any discussions about moving him down or letting him go. So I think we really gotta get used to him playing a lot. But I think yeah. Russell, I think Russell Douglas is gonna get a shot soon, though. Uh, I'm very confident that they've seen that. Wasn't he in like one play against the in Week One and he got a pick? Yep.
1: Yeah, they put him in his first play that he got in, uh, interception in the red zone.
0: Yeah, he's an interception machine.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think the defense will show up this week. Um, They're at home. They play much better at home, which is um, good and bad because it's good to see them um, have those good games, but you want them to improve on the road as well. um, Carson Wentz is better than Jared Goff. You saw what Jared Goff did to the Vikings last week. Uh, we should see a better Eagles team this week, and there's like, like you said, and you said in your article, there's no need to worry right now. Um, just keep going forward and improve on these mistakes.
0: Yeah, is, I think that should be it for this first episode of the Birds Banter podcast. Is there anything you guys want to add quickly?
1: No, that's a, good to me.
0: All right, so. I'm Jack. You can follow me on Twitter at JDM5335. We're going to be recording these podcasts, and I'll I'll let Matt and Logan take it over in a second. We're going to be recording these podcasts on Tuesdays, so we'll have game recaps, what to look forward to. And we are obviously part of Philadelphia Eagles Nation, so the podcast will be distributed through them. You can follow their Twitter, our Twitter, at BirdsVancer on Twitter. So I'm going to let Matt and Logan give their outro, tell everyone, follow them, all that good stuff, and then we'll say goodbye.
1: All right. This is Matt. Um, Thanks for listening in with us today. Um, You can follow me on Twitter, MLoopyNFL. Um, I'm always posting constant stuff about uh, the Eagles, and you can also follow us on Philadelphia Eagles Nation.
2: Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the show today. This is Logan. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at LoganBanker underscore 19. And also I'll be posting articles every Monday. So keep an eye out for that. And uh, go for
0: Yep, I think that's going to do it. Thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you next week.
2: All right.